You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. So listen, at the start of each year, it's really common for, for pastors to prepare a message on vision. Um, so uh, 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 it's a, like, you know, vision, you want to inspire the church. You want to you talk to them about vision, and this is, this is where we're going, and this is the direction of what, what God is calling us to. Um, and it's with hopes um, that a significant amount of people that you're, you're talking to um, will get behind that vision and support it with passion, support it with service, support it with personal sacrifice, and, and support it with resources. Um, un, un, unfortunately, um, a study that was put out last year describes a great disconnect between pastors and the churches they're leading in regards to vision, um, especially in the area of mission. And so uh, if you, if you want to think about vision versus mission, and so vision is kind of ca- forecasting, this is where we are going as a church. This is the vision. This is the big picture of where we're going. And, and mission and, and vision, they get intertwined quite often, but mission is what we do as we get to where God is calling us. Are you guys with me? And, and so there's this kind of disconnect between those two. Is like here is vision and here is mission because I'm, I want to show you the big picture, but I also want to tell you this is what needs to be done while we're on the on the way. Um, and so this part that I re- read, uh, a, this, a portion of it reads like this, in regards to mission. And it says it says this the right now. And this is the words from the report. It says right now the dance between pastors. And their congregation is an awkward one. On one hand, there are pastors who are passionate about evangelism and sharing the gospel message, struggling to prompt or keep people engaged in missionary work because they fully, I'm sorry, they don't fully understand different perspectives on mission amongst their members. So just a quick pause, like a, a summary of that is, is the disconnect between um, this awkward dance between the pastor and the congregation on mission is, is pastors are speaking mission, not recognizing that their people might have different understandings of what mission is. And so some people believe that mission is service, it's going out and serving. Um, some people believe the mission is preaching the gospel, giving the good news of Jesus to those who have not heard it. And so there's this this different you know, there's this balance of of what that um, unbalance of what that looks like uh, in congregations. It goes on to read like this, and, and on the other hand, are Christians or, or people in the church who desire to see lives changed. How many of you want to see lives changed? Hey, raise your hand high. I want to see it. Christians who want to see lives changed, but, but they, they might lack the knowledge or scriptural understanding, and listen to this, friends, and inspiration needed to turn those desires into action. And, and it would, I'll just continue with the report. It says this, with souls in the balance, it's a pretty powerful report. With souls in the balance, And one of, listen friends, and one of Christ's greatest commands for his followers, losing support, and that would be the Great Commission. It's time to address this disconnect and get back to a unifying path that reflects 
the true church. A unifying path that reflects the true church. And the question that's posed at the end of this report that, that prompts all kinds of statistics and things like that is this, is what will it take for the U.S. churches to engage in a gospel-centered mission movement that spans around the globe? What will it take? And the question that was prompted in my heart, and honestly, it's one of the questions that keeps me up at night as a pastor, is this, is what is it going to take for Restoration L.A. to engage the mission that Jesus has called us to? What is it going to take for Restoration Los Angeles to engage the mission that God has called us to? As I look um, to, to 2023, I, I, I probably have more questions than I do answers as a pastor. And, I'm all, and that's probably a vulnerable thing for me to say because sometimes I'm looked to for some answers. Um, but I do have tons of questions. But the one thing that I do know, this is one thing I know is that the mission that Jesus gave his church has never changed. It has never changed. And we plastered it on that wall. And that's a, that's a personal reminder from, for anyone who preaches from here that that is the mission. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. Now, while we are on mission, yes, we will serve. While we are on mission, yes, we, we will feed the poor. While we are on mission, yes, we will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed and we will give them clothes and, and we will do all that we can while we were on, on mission. But the mission, friends, is to preach the gospel to all the world. And that is not the mission for the pastors. It's called the great commission because Jesus has given that commission to every saint, every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. And I want Restoration Los Angeles to, to be clear about that message. I don't want there to be a disconnect between you and our eldership team about what we are called to as a people of God through the life of Restoration Los Angeles. We are called to preach the gospel to all the world. Back in 2021, our eldership team took, took months to communicate the values that we carry as a church. And one of those values you might remember is sending out. Can you say that with me? Sending out. This is one of our values that we carry. And, and this sending out value, the kind of definition of that for us was this. God has commanded us, listen friends, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere. God has commanded us, not, not just leaders, not, not just, just elders or deacons or anyone who carries a function within the life of the church. God has commanded us as the people of God to spread the good news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. And, and this is the vision for our church. Listen, we send empowered and equipped disciples of Jesus into the world. Every member of our community is a missionary every day. 
This is, this is the vision for our church. This is, this is who we are, are wanting to be. This is our desire of what we're trying to cultivate here at Restoration Los Angeles. This is why we do many of the things that we do. This is why we have the home groups and do what we do in home groups. This is why we have equipping time you know, throughout the year and invite Ephesians 4 giftings into the life of our church to equip saints for the works of service that God has called each and every one of us to. You may also remember that when we were going through these values, I, t- I talked about two different types of values that we carry as a people. One is espoused values. Do you guys remember these words? Espoused values and, and embodied values. And espoused values are our values that we say we have. Right? These are ones we can put on our website. These are ones we can put on the wall. And we can say, hey, these are the values that we are married to. That's espouse is kind of connected to that word spouse. Right? We are married to these values. These are the values that we carry. But then there's values that we actually embody. And so espoused values are ones that we say we have, but the, the values that we actually embody are the ones that we are living out. Those are in our embodied values. One is theory and projection. The other is lived out and practical. And it is our heart, friends, for Restoration LA, it is my heart as your lead pastor in the life of this church is that this is no longer an espoused value for every member of our church. This is a value that you live out and you embodied, not because it's Restoration LA's value, because it's a biblical value commanded by Jesus Christ himself. In the area of personal mission, we've tried to bridge this gap in the, in the past 18 months um, at Restoration LA. Uh, in, in the pattern of Jesus, we see Jesus' pattern of, of bringing people through and releasing them into ministry. So we, we've tried to pattern ourselves after that. And so Jesus, he would preach, right? And then he would demonstrate alongside of his followers. And then he would release his followers into doing it. And so as, as we were talking about this espoused value of, of sending out, we, I, I felt as a visionary and talking to our eldership team is like, listen, we need to bridge the gap. I don't know if our people know how to evangelize. I don't know if our people have ever seen it done. Like, I mean, we, we teach people how to preach. We teach people how to teach. We could come alongside of them, give them Bible studies. We teach people how to worship. We teach people how to do all these things. But how often have we ever taught people how to evangelize and how to preach the gospel? And so God dropped it on our hearts to do a two-by-two ministry. And so we said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to come here. We're going to, we're going to come together in a biblical pattern. And we see this in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. We're going to come together. We're going to pray. And then we're going to get out to our community. And we are going to evangelize. We are going to go out and preach the gospel and lay hands on people and, and trust that God is going to use his church. We preached evangelism from the front on Sundays. We've taught it in our home groups, our men's and our women's groups, and even in our children's ministry. We've invited people from the apostolic team to come and equip leaders and saints alike for this great work that God has called us to. And then we began to model it, two-by-two ministry. Elders, deacons, and saints went from this place into our community to share the good news of Jesus with people. It started with about 40 people, and it was exciting to see men, women, children here gathered. We would pray and then go out into the community and different areas around. 
And then it whittled down to 30. And then 20. And then kind of in our last few meetings, it's been maybe a dozen people with some of our kids. And though the drop-off has been a bit discouraging, my resolve to live out evangelism as a church will not waver. Because it's Jesus' mission. It's the only mission that Jesus has given us. Vanessa asked me at the end of the year um, last year, kind of in that in-between Christmas, New Year holiday, um, what's God saying for next year? And honestly, if, 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 if you know my heart, my heart is always thinking the lost first. I am a pastor. I love the people that God has called me to lead. I love you. I mean, my heart beats for you. But I have a, I have a biblical value system. And, and there's a value system in Scripture that says that God will leave the 99 for the one. That all heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to salvation versus 99 righteous who don't need salvation. And so I, I've adopted this biblical priority system. And so my priority system is always thinking the lost. I'm always thinking those who are not in the room. I'm always thinking like, Lord, there's so many seats in this place that need to be filled with people who do not know you. And so in, in, with, this, with this gut feeling, uh, I, I, tell, I told Vanessa, I, I really want to scrap everything that we're doing as a church and do nothing but evangelism. I want to eat, sleep, drink, evangelism. I, I want to end every program, everything that we do, and do nothing but evangelism. And then Vanessa says, but what about discipleship? <laughs> and I, I told her this. I said, we could do discipleship in 2024. <laughs> I was kidding. But I wasn't. Ange brought a, a, a prayer this morning. We were praying for people and places in our prayer meeting this morning. Some of you might have missed it. And she, she emphasized the word um, of the church. Ecclesia is, is the Greek word. Uh, it's where we get the Latin and the Spanish word, iglesia. And, and that word means the sent out ones. But I think that we've interpreted it as the called in ones. I think we've interpreted church as, 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 as a calling inward, as a call to an, 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 an exclu exclusivity that it was never meant to be. Because in our in our desire as Restoration LA to express ourselves as a spiritual family, we can also carry, unfortunately, the tendencies that family have to only be about family, to only be about those that we are comfortable with at the table, to be about those that we are only comfortable with having over, you know, at mealtimes and having over, you know, in the, at those special gatherings. 
But when we look at the life and the pattern of Jesus, he, he did everything opposite of that. He was always inviting those who didn't belong at the table to the table. He was, he was flipping the world upside down as God, and he was expressing himself in a pattern that we would eventually need to follow. We cannot have evangelism without discipleship. And the truth is that one doesn't have to be neglected for the sake of the other. But friends, I do believe that there is a holy priority on evangelism in this season. As a visionary pastor of Restoration LA, I have a belief that if you want to be a, if you want to experience biblical results, you need to follow biblical pattern. If we want if we want to say we're a biblical people, then we have to start living like we are biblical people. That's why you'll find nearly everything we do, the essence of nearly everything we do is found in Scripture. And why I say nearly is because there's going to be some things that we do that you aren't going to find in the Bible. Like we sent a dozen kids to winter camp. You're not going to find, and they sent kids to winter camp in the Bible. So what, what I'm saying is nearly everything we do, and there are some things that are abiblical, which means they're not against Scripture. And so we're, we're, you're, you're, not, you know, you're not being unbiblical if you don't show up to winter camp. But in Scripture, the church prayed. Church prayed together. Sunday mornings, 9.30 a.m. Some of us do that. The early church gathered in each other's homes and shared meals and dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings. Restoration in L.A., some of us do that. In Scripture, the church was in partnership with Ephesians 4's gifting and gave themselves to be equipped for the works of ministry. Some of us do that. In Scripture, the church, the people of God, elders, deacons, and saints alike were witnesses of Jesus Christ. Some of us do that. And the question I have, and it's a challenging question, and, and because I love you, it's even hard probably to even say it in such a way, but honestly, friends, my question is, do you? Do you do that? Because if, we're, if, we're, if we say we're going to be the church that God is calling us to be, then we have to be unified, not only in theology. We have to be unified in mission. And mission takes our theology from orthodoxy to orthopraxis, which means it's not just something we know about. It's something we're actually doing. This is something we are practicing. This is something that we are trying to live out to the best of our ability. And I'm telling you, friends, we have to take a priority. We have to make a priority list for our lives again. What are we prioritizing? So yesterday was, was uh, like an off day kind of deal. And uh, Vanessa and I are, are, are working out. And so we're trying to keep each other accountable, sometimes in very sarcastic ways. Um, so um, the, the Lord was switching up my message last night. And so I sat back at the table like at 7 p.m. And then I was like probably at the table until midnight, just like switching up stuff. And like it was um, not good. Um, I mean, it was good because it's happening now, but uh, it wasn't good for, you know, you know, anyways. So I should have been working out at that time. So I'm finally done. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to go to bed. And so Vanessa's still kind of awake. And she's like, are you going to work out? 
and it's 1 a.m. And I'm like, I don't want to work out. It's 1 a.m. I just like gave myself to all this stuff today. I was up on the roof. I'm like, I'm like, you know, putting Henry's up there because I got a leak and I'm doing all this stuff. Like I went and celebrated the twins. We had that time. Came home, vegged out, vegged out. Oh yeah, I vegged out quite a bit. I didn't prioritize my workout. Yeah, I'm gonna work out. So I turn on the TV, go on my my YouTube workout guy, start sweating to the oldies. It wasn't Richard Simmons, I promise. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do Richard Simmons, sorry. It's, 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 it's a little more manly than that, but it's... Uh... But here's the thing. When it comes to priorities, here's the thing when it comes to values. Is we give ourselves to so much. And we give ourselves to so, a lot of stuff that is, is even meaningless. And so at the end of the day, when we come to our priorities and we see what have we done and we look at, did we do the thing that we actually were supposed to be doing? And we look back and we say, but I, I did all this other stuff. But we look at what did we actually accomplish? And we didn't fit in the thing that was actually supposed to be done. And we try to put it at the end. And so when you put it at the end, guess what? You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. You don't want to work out at 1 a.m. And like you, you've like, you're tired, you're sleepy. I mean, you should be asleep. You're like thinking about the pill. You don't want to do it. And it's the same with our priorities in the kingdom of God. It's the same with evangelism. Like when you put this thing at the back burner, you put this thing at the very end of the priority list and any other value that we carry as a kingdom people, you don't want to do it. And I'm telling you, friends, we need to reprioritize the biblical things that God has called us to. And today I'm calling out evangelism. How are we prioritizing it? Where is this on our list? When it comes to the mission of Jesus, when it comes to you being on mission for Jesus, where have you prioritized being a witness for Jesus in your life? A biblical people will prioritize biblical values. This morning, I want to give you give you a challenge. It's a challenge that I gave to our young people. Um, Vanessa and I meet with the young adults in the life of our church at our home um, twice a month. Today we're meeting at five o'clock. Um, and this is a challenge I gave to them uh, on our first meeting is, will you dare to be the church that others are afraid to be? Will you dare to be the church that others are afraid to be? I think that we, we look at the church and we look at our experience of church and we can compare ourselves with what others are doing, what others have done. And we might even feel good about ourselves because we're probably doing it a little bit better than the people who have gone before us or whatever. But I don't want us to compare ourselves to other people. I don't want you to compare yourself to your neighbor. I don't want you to compare yourself to your parents. I don't want you to compare yourself to the church you grew up in. I want you to compare yourself to the word of God. Would you dare to be the church that others are afraid to be? 
last week we held an anointing service. And I really believe that the Lord did, did a deep spiritual work for many in the areas of healing. And honestly, I think healing is so important in the life of the church. And not just physical healing, but I think deep spiritual, emotional healing, relational healing, it needs to take place. Because if you are broken, it's going to be hard for you to be giving out the good news. And I want to just encourage us from last week, if you have been healed by Jesus, listen, friends, stay healed. Don't slip back into brokenness. Don't slip back into be, uh, I'm talking about spiritual and emotional. I'm not necessarily speaking physical. But if you need physical healing, don't stop coming up for prayer. If your healing hasn't come, don't stop coming up for prayer. Don't stop inviting saints into that prayer. But for spiritual and emotional healing, friends, we have to stay healed. A broken people cannot give the gospel of Jesus Christ appropriately. I heard a saying once, I don't know if it's a, I know it's not a biblical statement, but I I think the, the, the truth of it I've seen is broken people, or hurt people, sorry, hurt people, hurt people. That's what happens. We have to stay healed. Live free, live healed. But something else happened last, last week, and I believe it was a, a, a blowing of fresh wind for others and for this new season. And I pray that some of you experienced that, a blowing of fresh wind of God just kind of re-kicking up the, the gifts inside, stirring up the gifts inside of you again. A fresh wind, God wanting to give it to each and every one of us. God wanting us to be who he's called us to be. And friends, it's going to look different. It's going to have different expressions. It's going to have an, an imprint of you on it because you were created unique and you were created very special in the image of our Heavenly Father. And it's not going to look like me or anyone else. But I'm telling you, friends, a fresh wind for what God is calling you to. Today, I believe the Lord is wanting to bring a recommissioning. Why I say recommissioning is because you've already been commissioned. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ and you have been adopted into this family of God, this means you have been enlisted into the army of God. And if you've been enlisted into the army of God, I believe there is a recommissioning again, reminding you of the mission that you have been called to. Espoused values are no longer enough. And what I mean by espoused value is just knowing the value of, of being a, a, a witness for Jesus is not enough. Knowing that evangelism is, is important is not enough. Knowing about evangelism isn't going to evangelize the world. It's time for the saints to rise. It's time for the priesthood to start priesting. It's time for the messengers to deliver the message. It's time for the witnesses to bear witness. It's time for the workers to do work. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 read like this. Jesus traveled through all the town and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing, listen friends, the good news about the kingdom. Jesus preached the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, listen friends, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I am praying, friends, that the Lord will break our hearts for the lost again. 
if you can look at the lost and feel nothing, I'm asking you to get back into your prayer closet and ask the Lord for his heart for this world again. Because John 3.16, we know this. We, it's, it, you see it on billboards. You see it. It should be branded on your heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There was a sacrifice made because God loved this world. And I'm praying that God will break our hearts for this world again. God will break your hearts for your neighbors again. God will break your heart for your coworkers again. He'll break your heart for the people you see at 7-Eleven every morning when you pick up your coffee. God will break your heart for the teachers in the schools and the, and the mothers and, and, the, and the soccer dads and every other everyone in between that God will break your hearts that it will no longer just be status quo going through life the way it's always gone and sit down you know, for an hour next to somebody and not say a word because your heart has compassion for them. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said this to his disciples. After feeling that compassion, this was, this was his, his declaration to the disciples. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And that can seem overwhelming for us, church. I know it can. I know, it can, I know you can look at the world and be like, what, what, what can I do? I mean, this, I mean, we're in Los Angeles. There's 22 million people in this greater metroplex that we live in. You're not alone. It's not just you. Look at this church. Look at how many people are in this room. And I know it's not a lot compared to some other churches, but friends, Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 unlearned ordinary men. And there's some very learned, extraordinary people in this room. What can we do? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Verse 38, listen to this, friends. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. You see, his disciples were already workers. His disciples were already harvesters. They had already taken up the commission that God had given them. They had already taken on the mission that Jesus had, had taught them and modeled to them and already began to be released into this type of ministry. And so what the Lord was telling them is to pray for more workers. And this is, this is my prayer for us, church, is that God will send us more workers, but not just send us more workers, but God will bring alive more workers in the life of our church. I believe God has sent workers. Workers who just need to start getting work done. John chapter 20, verses 21 through 22 says this, and again he said, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so I know this thing of evangelism can bring some anxiety because it's like, I don't know what to say and I get nervous and I don't know the Bible and I don't know. Like, I mean, we, 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 can, we, can, we can talk ourselves out of being evangelists for Jesus. And the devil loves to shame us, right? He loves to remind you of what you did yesterday. And he loves to remind you of why you're not worthy to preach the good news to other people. And I'm telling you, friends, we need to snap the back of the enemy when it comes to his lies over our life. 
That's why in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends the disciples, first the 12 and then the 72, he tells them, listen, don't take anything. Don't take anything with you. Don't take an extra purse. Don't take a staff. Don't take an extra pair of shoes. Don't take anything. And, and, and don't stop on the road. Don't get distracted. Don't let anything distract you. Don't let anyone deter you from this thing that God is calling you to. And that includes the lies of the enemy, friends. Don't let anything stop you from being a witness for Jesus. Don't let anything distract you from being on mission for Jesus. And then he did this in verse 22. Then he breathed on them and said this, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Pam, can you come up on the piano? I believe there can be no recommissioning without the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this, but you will receive power. Can you say power? power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Now that language there is strange. Because it's not like, and then you will have the power to do something. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then you will be my witness. It's compulsory. There's no way that the spirit of the living God can live inside of this vessel that, 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 that is a saint, us, and us not want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. If God is living inside of us, then there's only one message that is going to be coming out from that spirit. And it's the good news of Jesus. And when Jesus breathed on the ten or I'm sorry, the 12 in Luke 9, and when he breathed on the 72, and then later on when he, the Great Commission, he breathed on them again. This was the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them, and they would be his witnesses. And guess what happened? They were. They were. You will be my witnesses, and this is what a witness does. Listen, friends, telling people about me everywhere. Every person in every place. This is our value. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, and Jerusalem for them, that, that, was, that was their hometown. That was, that was, that was their, their, their immediate sphere. What's your sphere? Is it Pico? Is it Montebello? Is it Inglewood? Roland Heights? Whittier? What, what, what's your Jerusalem? That's where we start. It's your neighbor. It's your household. It's your, it's your, it's your, it's your workplace. It's your school. It's your friends. It's that immediate sphere that you're called to. The Holy Spirit has been given to you so that you can be a witness to those people. And then it says this, and then throughout Judea. So not, then, then it's beyond just your immediate sphere. God is calling you beyond just your immediate sphere. Then, then it's like, you know, somewhere crazy, like Rancho Cucamonga, I don't know. 
I read when I was a kid, like Rancho Cucamonga, where Cucamonga was like the furthest place you can think of, right? Like Cucamonga was like that word. It's like, where, where's that? I'm somewhere out Cucamonga, I don't know. It's that sphere that's going to cause you a little bit of faith to step out and get into. That it's that sphere that's going to ca- cause you a little more intentionality and maybe a little more resources to get out to that place to spread the gospel. And then to Samaria. And you know what Samaria is? Samaria for them was Samaritans. And you know where Samaritans were? That's the place you don't want to go. That's the people that you don't want to reach. And guess what? God's calling you to that place too. The people group that you don't want to reach. That pe- the, 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 those type of people that, that, you, that offend you, it's those people that God wants you to reach. That's your Samaria. And then the outermost parts. What are the outermost parts? Friends, we have such a privilege through our partnership in the gospel with, with men and women and churches around the world. You name a place. You name a place on the planet. Almost any place on the planet. And all is, is it's going to require of you is to go get a passport. And we'll send you. You name a place. Africa, Australia, Mexico, Cuba, Thailand, Singapore, Canada, all of Europe. Asia, Asia Minor. Name a place. We'll send you. We'll partner you up with the church. We'll send you on mission trips. We'll, we'll send you out to the Congo. I mean, you, you say it. We'll send you. Because it isn't just our thing. It's not just a thing that special people do. This is a thing that the people of God do. question is, will you? You might be asking yourself, can you? And I'm hoping that through what I've preached this morning and through the things that God has said, you know that you can. You can. But the question is, will you? The simplest form of the gospel is you testifying what Jesus has done for your life. Develop your testimony, friends. Develop your testimony. Write down what God has done for you. You write down how God brought you from death to life. You write down what God saved you from. You write down the sins that you repented from so that you could turn to God and then you are no longer living in that darkness and are now living in light. You write those things down. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Share it with the world. Share it with the world. And let them know that if they repent from their sins and that believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for those sins, God raised him from the dead on the third day and that he has risen again and ascended back into heaven where he is seated on the throne. If they believe that they will be saved. That's the good news. And every saint needs to know it. And every saint needs to share it. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to blow on you again this morning to remind you that you've been empowered to do this very thing. Would you mind standing with me this morning?